Joseph came to Pilate and he said, I want the body. He asked for the body, but the King James said that he begged the body. He was simply asking to take the body so that he could put it in the grave. The work was to be done. But tonight, if I could preach to you from that, that statement, that portion of scripture, I want to preach this to you. I beg the body. I beg the body. You may be seated in Jesus' name. This is a powerful moment in the story of the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And I understand tonight that the title is somewhat a play on words. I beg the body. I beg the body of Christ. But this moment should never be forgotten in the scripture because you have to understand that by the time Joseph, who was a disciple of Jesus, comes to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus, and this is oh so important, I don't want you to miss this. Joseph, it mentions specifically that he was a disciple of Jesus. He had been following Jesus. He had been watching Jesus. He had seen the body of Christ do miracle signs and wonders. I believe Joseph was there as a recipient of the power. He saw the dead raised, the blind eyes open, deaf ears here. I believe what, what the Lord said to go back and tell John Baptist, I believe perhaps Joseph had seen all of that. I believe it's a possibility that Joseph would have been there if he was a disciple when the loaves and the fish were blessed and broken and thousands were fed. It's always easy to get large crowds of people when loaves and fish are being broken. But I want you to notice something. Joseph did not come to take the body of Christ while it was doing miracles. Joseph came to take the body of Christ when it offered him nothing. There is value in understanding Joseph did not come to get the body of Jesus because Jesus could offer him the power that he did the day before. He did not come to take that body because Jesus was going to do a miracle and he was going to see the lame walk and the dumb talk and the blind see and the deaf hear. He came to take a body that could not offer him anything because of who he was, not because of what he had done. And so he came and he begged the body. And I want to play on those words just a little bit about the body if I could tonight that he begged the body. He was asking for the body, but tonight I am preaching that I am begging to. I'm asking to the body. God has been dealing with me over the last several days. I shared some things here on Wednesday night. I'm going to touch on a little bit tonight and go a little bit deeper. But God has been dealing with me so deeply about activation in the body of Christ. And you must understand that activation does not happen by accident. It's something we must be very intentional about. We are a movement of people that are geared specifically to be, we are geared to be inspired. We love inspiration. It's what we thrive on. It's our adrenaline pump. It's, it's what lifts us up. It's, it's our Red Bull. It's our cup of espresso. We got to come to church and Get inspired so that we can make it through the week. And there is a vast gulf fixed between what has inspired us and the reason why we were inspired 
And the reason for our inspiration is not so that we can be inspired. It's so that we can activate the word of God that has been preached to us and taught to us. And what we have felt, I'm telling you that worship in a collective uh, meeting like this, it should always be, and forgive me if it sounds like I'm being judgmental, but I'm just inspecting fruit on trees. I can tell how you worship God alone by how you worship him among people. If you don't worship him when you're by yourself, you're going to sit on him in a, in a meeting like this. It, you're not going to be moved. It doesn't matter the song. It doesn't matter the preacher. It doesn't matter what happens. If you don't fall in love with him for who he is, you're never going to understand the value of worship. Everybody can praise him in a testimony service. Everybody can praise him when we're talking about miracles. But there's something that gets a hold of us that's true worship that takes us beyond loving him for what he can do and absolutely loving the body because of what it is. Now, I, I have to be very careful how I say this tonight. I want to be cautious. I don't want this to sound off or judgmental in any way, but let, let, me, let me just be straight up and plain with you from the beginning. Not everything that identifies itself as the body of Christ is the body of Christ. Woo! I felt that all the way to the cheap seats. I want to tell you that when Joseph came to get the body of Jesus, his pinky toe was as dead as his heart that stopped beating in his chest. There was not a part of the body of Christ that was not crucified. My, my. Can I say it again? There was not a part of the body of Christ that was not crucified. And being a member of a church does not make you a part of the body of Christ. You may be a part of an assembly that gathers together, but just because you gather in an assembly does not make you a part of the body. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if it hasn't been crucified, it's not a part of the body. It has to be crucified. If it hasn't been crucified, then it cannot be buried. If it cannot be buried, it cannot be resurrected. I believe Jesus had divine flesh and I don't believe he felt anything and I think he was really awake. He was just in a dark coma and he laid there for three days and got up on the third day and that was a resurrection. That's heresy. It's false doctrine. And strange enough, people preach it. And people believe it. You know why they want to do away with the resurrection? Because if they can get rid of the resurrection, then they can go ahead and deny the crucifixion. It erases all of the things that he has done and the power of it. And if you don't, don't have the resurrection, then you don't have to justify the supernatural. And you don't have to explain why your church is dead and, 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 and dried up and plucked up by the roots. And you've got no signs and wonders and miracles and lives being changed and people not being converted. Because if you don't talk about the resurrection, then you don't have to guarantee anybody new life. It takes the pressure off of you and makes you, gives you the ability to stop preaching the new birth message. You, you, I mean, you don't have to preach something if it didn't happen. Uh, I shared in chapel uh, Friday morning with the kids, and uh, I, I won't go into great depths. 
although I want to really bad. There's a woman that's connected to a ministry. If you've watched TV ministry through the years, you'll probably pick up what I'm putting down. It's a big ministry in the Baton Rouge area. It was a certain form of Pentecostalism, whatever, and this woman's in that family, and she put this big post about, she was baptizing, picture baptizing this lady in the ocean. She said, I'm so thankful for baptism. Uh, this is not something that saves us, but it is our public profession of our faith in God. And I'm talking about long, if, just on a, on a regular screen. It was a long post about how baptism was a powerful thing, but it had nothing to do with salvation. I said, my goodness, Mark 16, 16 puts an awful hard squelch on that. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be I like the way Peter said it. He compared it to Noah. He said, by water was one family saved. And he said, doth water now also save us through baptism? Doth it now? Somebody say now. It now saves us. Baptism now saves us. But understand me when I tell you that if something is not necessary and it's just part of the beauty of the picture, then we can all dance around and, and, and hickamo and get happy about it. Woo! Yippee, look at that. Uh, I'm telling you right now, something has got to transpire in the body to where we realize you cannot be resurrected if you haven't been crucified. I know some of you are thinking right now, you mean he stopped what we were doing in the altar for this? I'm going somewhere. There is a call that's coming to the body of Christ in this hour. It is calling us to awaken. It is calling us to arise. It is calling us to activate. And tonight I stand before this body to tell you, I am begging the body of Christ to awaken from our slumber. There is a sleep that has come on the body of Christ. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to hit it head on tonight. There is a spirit of slumber that has come on the church of the living God. Amen. Just a few months ago, we were begging God for doors to be open, for us to have worship service. And now it's just another Sunday. It's just another Sunday night. It's just another meeting. Lord dealt with me tonight on the way to church and I, I, I was coming down my family had left early to get here before choir and I was in the house by myself just pleading with God to speak to me in the direction tonight that, that he wanted this to move and I saw I saw this sleeping giant I didn't see my physical eyes I saw my spiritual eyes on my way to the church I saw this sleeping giant and it set up and awakened immediately like shaking himself and the Lord said, this is what I want to do in the body right now. He said, but this is, the, this is the problem. And this is where we're at with this age that we're in right now. Is that laziness has become the normal in the body of Christ. And I, I'm not here to be ugly tonight. But I'm telling you, it is so easy for us to sit back and relax and just enjoy the good things of God. And to get a chill bump up and down our spine every now and then. And the Holy Ghost is calling us to a deeper measure. And telling us in some way, somehow to hear it. That there is a world that is lost and dying and on their way to hell while we're having good church 
There are people today that we have passed by the hundreds in this city that need a miracle in their life. They need to know this resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And again, I don't want you to think that I'm coming down on you and being ugly. But let me tell you tonight, the reason why we are afraid to tell them about new life is because we're still trying to figure out if it's necessary. We're wrestling with our own theology. You don't believe me? I know I'm online, but I'm just going to say it. Why are churches doing everything they can to take away apostolic identity? I'm not, I'm not throwing darts at anybody. I'm just telling you. That the apostolic movement, something happened to us a few years ago. That we would rather be relevant than powerful. I want to tell you there's nothing in the scripture that's indicative of the fact that the church fit in with the culture of the day. And was relevant to the culture of the day. Oh God. I know this is probably going to go around. People are going to see it. I, I, I understand that. But I'm just saying it, it doesn't matter. I mean, dear God, you can paint apostolic on your sign and be dead as a doornail inside. I get that. But I really don't know why in the world people are so afraid to let the world know who we are and what we are. I, I want to do everything I can. I don't care what it is. I don't care where we got to ride it. Put it on the side of a mountain if that's what we got to do. If that's what we got to do, let's paint it on a mountain. Let's hang it from a sign. Let's get us a big old sign in this town. We are not like any other church that just claims to be the body when we are the apostolic body of Christ. Please forgive me, but I'm not changing the name of our church so that people will think we're like everybody else. I know it's just a cliche to some and rhetoric to some. But you hear me when I tell you tonight, I'm still proud and grateful to be a one God apostolic, tongue-talking, holy, rolling, born-again, heaven-bound believer in the liberated power of Jesus' name. change our style, we change our preaching, we change our methods, we change it all so that people feel more comfortable. And I want people to be comfortable. I, please don't misunderstand me. If you walk in my house, I want you to be comfortable. But there is a vast difference between you walking in my house and walking in his house. Because he can offer you things in this house that I can't offer you in my house. If you come to my house, there's a good chance the coffee pot's going to be on. But I've never been able to look at somebody and tell them this water that I speak to you of, you will never thirst again if I give you a drink of it. Can I just proclaim it tonight from this microphone? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. God I want to be identified with that number when I was growing up we'd sing it oh Lord I want to be in that number 
As long as the world doesn't identify me with that number, Lord, and you do, that's what I want. I'm going to tell you what scares me to death, Bishop. scares my britches. He said, if you are ashamed of me. Come on, y'all can preach back at me. He said, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying to you tonight. I want it to be crystal clear. We cannot afford to change our worship. We cannot afford to change our power. We cannot afford to stop praying. We cannot afford to stop fasting. We cannot back down and say we're going to relax a little bit. Here's the reason why. The people in this town that are addicted, they're not going to get set free at a community club eating donuts. But if they walk into a If they walk in a room where there is power and authority, I still believe he can deliver. Hear me tonight. I know this probably grates some people wrong. It's a burr under some people's saddles. But listen, I'm not, I, I understand. I, I, I get it. People have different strokes for different folks. But I'm not interested in grabbing the newest and latest versions of the Bible that are printed so that it's more understandable for me. I'd rather just pick up the word and say, Lord, talk to my heart. Let it be crystal clear. Speak to me, God. Even if it's in the King's English, I want to know who you are. I want you to speak to me. I want there to be power in my life. I want there to be demonstration. I would challenge you tonight. To just search for yourself how many verses, entire lines, words that have been struck out of Bibles that are translated into different kinds of translations. As a matter of fact, outside of the KJV and the NKJV, if we didn't have those two books, the word Calvary is not even mentioned in the Bible. Did you know that? How are you going to sing about a hill called Mount Calvary and the old rugged cross but be ashamed to talk about it? I am not ashamed of the blood. I am not ashamed of the cross. I am not ashamed of the crucifixion. I still believe in the word of God. I know it sounds like I got a chip, but I don't. The Holy Ghost has been working on me. He's working on me. I don't ask God to work on you. I ask God to work on me. I want God to keep my heart and my mind right. I want God to keep my spirit right. Understand me when I tell you tonight the reason why I feel so desperately the way that I do. And the reason why I preach the way I preach is I've lived here all my life. And there are people when I walk into businesses that have known me for years. When I walked in, I walked into Cracker Barrel uh, last night, I think it was. And man, when I walked, people just started coming up. I'm not saying this to be braggadocious. People started coming up. Hey, Rev, how you doing? Hey, Pastor, what's going on? When I'm leaned over to the little lady that was seating everybody and said, this is one of the five finest pastors you'll ever meet in your life and listen I'm not saying this for applause I'm saying people know who I am but it's a shame when people know who we are and they know what we stand for and for us to start leaning in another direction and the day they finally make up their mind they're going to come to the house of God they're going to walk in here and find out we're really not what we said we were You know what I want? I want to pastor the kind of church that when they walk in here with tumors, they walk out completely healed. When they walk in here deaf, they leave here hearing. When they walk in here blind, they leave seeing. 
had an epiphany recently in a conversation with someone. It was the same old discussion we've had for years about why do we see more miracles when we go to the mission field than we see here in four mission fields. I've had, I've had all kinds of conversations over the last 25, 30 years about why we don't see more than, than, than we see when we go overseas. And something came to me in a conversation the other day. I, I don't even remember who it was. It may have been Brother Thornton. We were talking about it. And this statement was made, and it was like bells and whistles and sirens and lights started going off in my head. It said, because Americans can afford more medication than anywhere else in the world. And the Holy Ghost don't just have to deliver our mind. It has to get through 14 different medicines to get to our brain. I'm telling you right now, we got to get back to old-fashioned power. I know nobody wants to believe me when I tell you this. But if the Lord withholds his coming for very much longer, there's going to come a day that the things we've counted on and we've relied on, they may not be there and readily available to us like they are today. And I want to know what are we going to do then when our only option is to put our trust in the Lord. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we better do. We better make up our minds right now. We're not backing up. We're not sitting down. We're not quitting. We're not, we're not throwing in the towel. Come on, somebody. Ah, I love to be together. I love to be in the house of worship. But you can tell, I, I, don't, I don't sit down much. Neither does this church. I don't sit down much when worship's going on. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord. But we take so much for granted. We'll stay in our seats when there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that today they went to church in a place where they could not dance and shout openly. They had to go into a secret place and a hiding place and worship God quietly. And they were willing to risk their lives to make the journey from their home to where they were having church just so they could get together with God's people and have a meeting together with their family of God. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight, church. We've got to activate all of the inspiration that's been poured into us. Something's got to happen in us. This says, God, we are tired of the ordinary and the mundane. We're not going through the motions. We need a move of God. <laughs> got to have a move of God. Uh, I, somehow, I don't even know how I really don't, I, I didn't join it That I'm aware of, I have no clue how I got it There's a preacher's forum online That I got sucked into somehow, I don't know And I, I hadn't left it, but every now and then I see it If I'm online and, it, and, and it's all apostolic preachers And this question was posed this week I just happened to see it and I thought, mm, that's interesting When I read the top of it, and by the time I got to the bottom I was like, no, it's not interesting and I, I, I read it, and, and this was the question from an apostolic preacher. This apostolic preacher said, because there's no biblical record of it, do you believe that there was actually anybody ever healed at the passing of the shadow of Peter? I'm like, why, why would it be in the book? That at the very passing of the shadow of Peter, they would be healed. You know, it's like, 
If it doesn't just say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, we're like, it didn't happen. I, I'm shooting straight with you tonight. Man. I, I, boy, I got the old six shooter. I'm going after it tonight. Understand me when I tell you right now. I believe the same thing that John said about Jesus. That I suppose all the books in the world couldn't contain the works that he had done. Don't you ever get uncomfortable when somebody starts saying that God is able, that he can, and that he will. Don't you ever get uncomfortable when people start talking about apostolic power. It's what got us here. It's what made us what we are. We cannot quit preaching about the power of God, but we cannot let it just inspire us. Something's churning in me right now. I, I, I've, I've been in prayer with God this week. When I, get, when I get in prayer with God, I just feel this tug. It's, it's pulling me, and it, it, it's, it's pulling me to a place. And here's what's sad, I guess. It's pulling me to a place that I know we already ought to be. It, it's not like it's some new deep place. It's that I feel the pull of God reaching, and... and, and Lord, if, if y'all take this out of context, you could hurt somebody's feelings. Listen, I'm just going to put this out here. We're always praying that God would help us reach the world, like gather the world. And this is what I saw in the Holy Ghost, Bishop. I saw these arms gathering. But it wasn't the world. It was the church. And it was the Spirit of God constantly saying, no, you got to get back here. You got to come back in. You got to get this back. You got to pull back in. Come on. I, I could just see it just like I'm looking at you right now. And I, I saw these big arms and they'd come out. And, and these people were straying off, getting out in the distance. And I'd see the hand of God reach out, pull it back. I'm like, Lord, is this the world? He said, no, it's the church. They're always praying for harvest. They're always asking, but at the same time, they're willing to compromise what they believe for the harvest. And they don't realize they're asking for the world to come to them. But all they're doing is going to the world. Why in the world are we afraid to preach? Why are we afraid to believe what we believe? I've never been ashamed of the gospel. I've never been ashamed to be apostolic. I've never one time walked into a place with my family and said, y'all go hide. I don't want anybody to see me walking with you. Come on now. I think it's about time that we let our wives and daughters know holiness is beautiful. Come on, somebody. You can tell I got teenagers in my house. I heard the other day, modest is hottest. I'm going to go with it. Modest is hottest. I'm thankful, and if this offends you, buy me a cheeseburger. I'm thankful that my girls don't walk around with their chest hanging out. I'm thankful my girls don't walk around in booty shorts showing their hind end to every man that walks by. I'm thankful we got holy women in this church that are willing to walk around and let the world know we're different. There's something different about us. Amen. There's some things that, that ought to be reserved. You know what's sad? Anybody that God's ever brought out of that mess... They really know that's the truth. 
But when they get frustrated, they'll go find somebody that tells them it's okay to keep on doing it. I'm begging the body tonight to be the body. Be the body. Be the body. Don't be ashamed of the body. Don't be afraid of the body. Everywhere you go, be the body. Be the body. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me reiterate. If it hasn't been crucified, it's not his body. I I talked to Brother Thornton tonight on the way to church. And uh, uh, I told him, I said, maybe I shouldn't even tell you this. I told him, I said, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, after a while, you feel like you preach the same thing, you know? I said, you you feel like a broken record, like you're saying the same thing. You got to know our relationship. You got to know who he is. Let me tell you something, cuz. He said, let me tell you something. He said, we got songs that we sing. Ain't even part of our culture till we sing them 50 times. He said, we'll sing them all the time. We'll sing songs, sing over and over and over and over again. He said, if you want something to be the culture of your church, don't ever, ever apologize for preaching. Why are you preaching it, Pastor? Because I'm begging the body to be the body. I'm begging the body to be the body. I'm not asking you for miracles. I'm not asking you for signs. I'm not asking you for wonders. I'm begging you, be the body. God Almighty. I know where I'm trying to go. What time is it? Lord, have mercy. I shouldn't have looked. I know where I'm trying to go tonight. I'm going to get you there. It's got to be crucified to be a part of the body. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, I, I don't know, maybe you can go back and lis- listen. It, it could be kind of vague, but I'm, I'm going to scratch the surface. I shared a dream here Wednesday night that the Lord had given me a week before on Monday. Of what I believe to be the body of Christ was a dead woman. And again, for all the details, you can go back and listen to it. But I want to be clear about the dream. The man that was presenting the body to us early in the dream, I thought he was like the funeral director or whatever. It was later on that I realized this well-dressed figure was more than likely a political head of some kind that had authority to make decisions. Because when I said, can we take her to the house of the Lord? He said, sorry, they won't let me do that. And I realized... After waking and praying, it's that, that political spirit that we've, we've got to keep people happy. We've got to be politically correct. You, you can't parade that around the church. You can't do that. And then just a few moments later, when I said, I believe God can do it right here and right now. And Bishop and Mother and I stepped forward. We went to, to pray for this lady. And she pulled the napkin off of her face. And she pointed up and she said, an angel. She didn't say look or anything. She looked at her eyes. She said, an angel. And I looked up and saw the angel. And there was a conversation between my mother and I at that moment. And then uh, you, you just have to listen to the rest of her. Think I'm weird. I, I danced with this angel and came back. And the body was being restored and healing was coming to that body. And this is how it came to me. That the image of that woman, I want this to be crystal clear because this is a message for this hour. 
that the image of that woman as she laid on that bed, on that cot, whatever it was, it was the image that the enemy wants us to believe the state of the church is. It was that image of brokenness. Uh, yeah, look at that. She's holy, but she has no effectiveness anymore. She has no power and no authority because she can't even move. She's lifeless. Look at her there. And I realized that is the image that the enemy wants us to believe about the body of Christ. God, I feel my help moving in here right now. Woo! But in that very moment that she removed the napkin from her eyes, the, the covering, what I say napkin because I, I don't know what it what it was it was just called it was a cross rise when she removed it she pulled it off and with her hands she pointed immediately and said an angel like that and this is what I realized when when I began to pray about this bishop that it was the moment she recognized the supernatural that restoration began let, let, let me let me say it till I spray it and say it till you got it the moment she recognized the supernatural I can't do this on my own. I can't do this without it. If you want to be a church and a community club, then go be a part of a community club. But if you want a house where we still believe in angels and we still believe in signs and we still believe in wonders and we still believe in miracles, then you've got to recognize the supernatural. It blows my mind how uncomfortable we get with apostolic language. Well, here we go, shifting from one cheek to the other right now. I see it coming. It's unbelievable. We're, we're apostolic. Somebody starts talking about angels. We're like, ooh, that's, man, that's weird. You know how common angels were in the first century church? Angels were so common. I had a preacher tell me one time, we don't need angels anymore. We got the Holy Ghost. Oh, dear God, are you sure? While Peter was in prison and they were praying for him to be released, angels were so common, they believed that it was just as easily Peter's angel standing on the porch as it was Peter the answer to prayer himself. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Understand, their first thought was not what happened in the natural world. The first thought of the first century church was, it's the supernatural. I wish I had one of them signs, Brother Stephen. Changed my mind. The first century church believed in the miracles, supernatural. They knew they weren't on trial. God was on trial. Rhoda looked outside and said, hey, Pete's at the door. Somebody looked up from the prayer meeting. They said, no, it's probably just his angel. Put their head back down and started praying. What do you think y'all do right now? I'm being honest. If I said there's an angel standing in the prayer room, who wants to see it? Well, I can tell you about 49.5% would go out the front door. I don't know. We better get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You know why we like to preach Acts 12? Because it was somebody else and not one of us. People could dislike him, say whatever they want to, but Brother Spell in Baton Rouge is taking a major stand during all this junk that we've been going through. Never has closed his doors, gone all the way to the Supreme Court in, in Louisiana. 
And they came and arrested him. He's been arrested something, something crazy. I think he said like, I don't remember, 20-something times now they've arrested him. Just you can't do anything about it cause as soon as he gets to the court. But one day they came and took him in, in, into the prison. They came, picked him up, arrested him, put him in prison, put on house arrest, put an ankle bracelet on him, whatever. I, I'm just saying, you don't have to like somebody, the way somebody does things, but if somebody's got the guts to stand up for truth, you got to applaud them and say, thank God for somebody that's got guts. And they came and took him, took him to prison, and he went in there like just a few hours later. All the news cameras were, were out there waiting because... He walked right back out, came right back out, and when he walked out, he had his Bible tucked under his arm. They said, what happened when they took you in there? He's, and you you got you to know his voice. I wish I could do it right now, but he may listen to this someday. I don't know. He said, he said, well, when I got in there, this one boy behind me started cursing. And he said, as soon as he started cursing, he said, I turned around and said, we're not going to do that in here. And I started quoting the word to him. He said, I told him every time one of you curse in here, I'm just going to quote the word. They said, what'd you do while you were in there? He said, I started preaching Jesus to him. God, why are we in this mess? Why are we here? I'm begging the body. Know who you are. Be activated. Know who you are. We better, we better get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Let's know it's coming. And I'm not just talking about the negative part of it. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you right now. I don't care what happens in any political system in the world. From India to Israel to the United States. I don't care what happens. The church better get ready for visitations. We better get ready for angels to walk up in our homes. We better get ready for angels. And we better get our house ready for angels. Let me make you a promise. If what you've had on your TV is cussing and sex and filth and adultery, if you see something standing at the foot of your bed, it's not the angel of the Lord in the night. If we want the supernatural, we got to let the body be the body. We got to be the body of Christ. Well, we waited till the kids went to sleep. Can I, can I just be pastor for a minute? Man, if I hurt your feeling, buy me two cheeseburgers. You're a coward if you'll send your kids to bed so you can listen to what you'd whoop them for saying. If you'd wash their mouth out with soap, and I still believe in discipline, I'm probably, a, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. We, we got a serious problem. We got parents that whoop their kids for something, but then they'll watch it when they go to bed and open their kids up to those spirits in their home. What are you doing, Pastor? I am begging the body. I am begging the body. Be the body. pivotal moment in the dream is when the lady recognized the supernatural presence of God Thessalonians 5 1 Thessalonians 5 23 tells us 
that we are made in three parts. The apostle said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. This is book. I want your whole spirit, soul, and body. Somebody say that with me right now. Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. It ain't enough to just say you're a Christian. It ain't enough to just say God did a work in your spirit. He said if your soul and your body, your soul and your spirit are submitted, so will your body be. The body of Christ has got to be as blameless as the spirit of Christ. I want to tell you what I know in the Holy Ghost. Without the spirit and the supernatural, the body is just a shell. I, mm, I don't have time to get into all this. I wish it was about 30 minutes earlier. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. That woman that I saw laying there that represented the body of Christ... I thought she was dead. It appeared as though she was dead until the Spirit of God moved and she recognized the supernatural. Here's what I'm saying to you right now. We got biblical precedent for this. If the body of Christ does not function in the realm of the supernatural, we are a skeleton. The day you die, all that means is that your spirit and soul have left your body. And your body without the spirit is just lifeless. There's nothing to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's nothing left of that body. It's just the tabernacle of that body. It is literally just the flesh of where the spirit and the soul used to live. God, that's, oh, I want to preach that so bad. I look at so many churches today, and, and, and I, I don't want to be critical, but I, I, I look at it, and honestly, I, honestly, in my heart, I say, God, is that just the shell of where the Spirit used to dwell? Is it just the shell of where it used to dwell? Because it still looks like the body, but when you tell it to move, it can't move. When you tell it to take a stand, it refuses because it can't stand without the Spirit. Lifeless church without the Spirit. I'm going to tell you all something. Technology has destroyed our perception of activation. We take all the power that's in these stupid little boxes to a store, click a couple buttons, push activation, smash, boom, a little bar comes across the screen. You've been activated. And we walk in the house of the Lord acting like the supernatural is a button we can mash. Well, I came and prayed five minutes before the music started. I'll mash that thing one time. You don't mash buttons right before church and get a supernatural response. Come on, somebody. We got to be the body on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We got to be the body of Christ. We got to be tapped in and connected. I was, uh, uh, must have been Friday, I think maybe. I don't, Friday, Thursday or Friday. I just left the gym, had to go get fuel in my truck. I don't ever pay for fuel uh, with, with cash for some reason. I just, I don't ever do it because 
I don't like waiting. And I, that day confirmed. I had to stand there and wait. This woman was talking on her cell phone at, at, at uh, one of the gas stations here in town. Sorry, I almost said it. Where you got to walk up to a window outside. And, like there's two or three of us standing there waiting. She's in there on her phone talking to somebody. And she looks at me. She, after like 10 minutes, she goes, did you need help? No, ma'am. No, I, I didn't. I actually just wanted to come see what kind of soda you had out here in the cooler. I, I'll get with you in a minute. She goes, if you're wanting to buy anything except for fuel, I can't, I can't take uh, your money right now because of the system. I was like, well, you're in luck, sweetheart. I want fuel. And I looked up, and just before I, I, I paid the woman, I had a premeditated amount that I was going to put in my truck. It was basically all of Lauren's first year of college for, my, for one tank of gas. And I looked up, and I made eye contact with this girl. She was uh, two islands away, and I could tell she was distressed. I don't ever go up there and pay with cash, ever. And I'm dressed like a bum. I'm in gym clothes with a ball cap. And I look over, and I see this, this girl. She's probably from me to, to Debbie, at least. And... I look back up at the woman because I'm like, good grief, I need, to, like, I need somebody to wait on me. Why am I still standing here waiting? And when I turned back around and looked, that girl was standing right here. And I was like, hello. <laughs> she had tears in her eyes. She said, sir, I've never done this and I feel like an idiot. She said, but I've been, I've been in a, Domestic relationship. She had a really nice car. Very nice car. She wasn't dressed like trash. She said, sir, I'm trying to get to my mother's in Indianapolis. My kids are there. And she had mascara all over her face. I could tell she'd been weeping. Her eyes were swollen. She said, sir, please, I'll give you everything back. She said, I'll, I'll pay you triple back. If that's what you need, she said. But I had to run out. And all I had was my phone and my car keys. She said, I, I don't have anything. I don't have, I don't have anything. Can you, can you just help me? She said, sir, I'm a nurse. I make a good living. I'm not a drug addict. She said, I know there's a lot of them around here, but I'm not one. And I'm standing there, and the Holy Ghost is nudging me, saying, now do you know why you're standing here, you stubborn thing? She said, sir, I'm a nurse. I said, ma'am, I'm a pastor. Rivers started coming down her face. She said, tell me where, where you live. Tell me where you pastor. Give, give me your address, anything. She said, just tell me where I can find you. She said, I, I, I'll bring. I told the lady, I said, give me $20 worth in her car. Put 50 in my truck. I said, give her. And she just started bawling. She said, I'm so sorry. I said, don't apologize, sweetheart. Don't apologize at all. I said, I believe the Lord has done this. And I, 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 she, she said, sir, I, I'll pay you back. I said, listen, you don't have to pay me anything. Just count it as a blessing from the Lord and get to your babies and get it taken care of. And I walked over and I started pumping gas in my truck. And it took me a few minutes longer than it did her and she was finishing up. And so I stopped pumping right in the middle. She had pumped $20 and I was going to 50 prepay. And I just stopped and I, I left that hanging out of my truck and I walked up to her. And I said, ma'am, 
excuse me. She looked at me. She was, I mean, she had been laying over her car pumping gas and tears dripping on her car. She said, yes, sir. I said, ma'am, can I pray for you before you leave? She said, absolutely. I grabbed that woman and the thought, the thought came to me. I'm not kidding you. The thought came to me. What if somebody that knows you drives by and sees you touching another woman right now? I'm like, you lying devil. I reached up and took that woman by the hand. I laid my hands on her. I said, in the name of Jesus, I believe you have ordered her steps. I believe you have brought her to this moment right here. Hey, are you hearing what I'm telling you? I'm begging the body. I am begging the body. I'm begging the body. We got to be the body. We got to be the body when we're getting fuel in our car. We got to be the body when we're buying groceries. We've got to be the body. How many gas stations you reckon there are between where she left and where she was trying to go? And what's the chances I was going to leave the gym and drive all the way out there on the other side of town because my wife said we had a discount on our account at that particular place. And that was just at the right time that I was having to wait in line. And this woman pulls out. It's a coincidence, Pastor. I'm begging the body. I am begging the body tonight. you got to be the body all the time, everywhere. Be plugged in. Get ready. I'm, I'm hurrying. I really am. I'm hurrying. You don't just mash a button and say, Lord, I'm going to be the body today. You wake up and get intentional about it. I'm going to be the body every day, everywhere that I'm going to go. It takes the spirit to raise the body to life. Romans 8 and 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man... Have not the spirit of Christ? He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Somebody say dwell in me. If it dwells in you. If it dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This is not just rapture theology. This is body theology. If the spirit is in you, you can't be dead and you can't be the same old lifeless figure. I'm hurrying. I really am. Lord Jesus, help me hurry. Genesis 2 and 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And then he breathed. Somebody say he breathed. breathed. The breath of life and man became a living soul. Ezekiel 37 lines up with it. Can these dry bones live? Can you prophesy? Because if you can prophesy, we can pull this scene together. And the wind can blow on and make it happen. I'm going to share a story and I'm, I'm getting you out of here. Brother Stone King told a story years ago. I, I couldn't find it if you told me to find it. I don't remember all the details about it. It was told to me second-handed. Brother Stone King told the story about this man. He was telling of the miracle of the, this man. He'd been involved in an accident that paralyzed him from the neck down. And the man went into the hospital, and, and he was total care. He was a full paraplegic from the neck down. 
And I'm in fast forward mode, but the story went that he, he was in that vegetative state for some time. And ultimately, the Lord healed the man. He was in a wheelchair and the Lord healed him. He got up and, and he, he, he was completely healed. And God did a miracle. But in the process of the healing is what I want to preach to you. There's one little part I want to extract from the story. He said that when, when, when he had become paralyzed, that he was laying in the bed, like the hospital room, I guess. And his wife came in. And she told him, she said, I can't go on like this anymore. She said, I, I, I can't love you anymore. I can't stay with you anymore. You're, you're not the man that I married. And I, I just can't live like this. I'm not going to live with a vegetable the rest of my life. And she walked out of the room and left the man that she said, I, I, sickness and in health, I'll, I'll be there. She walked out of the room. He watched her walk out. And later, after God had healed his body and he could talk. And he could move and walk and, and, and had some normalcy in his life. He was telling Brother Stone King, he said, the day that my wife walked in that room, he said, she was standing there telling me that she couldn't love me in the state I was in anymore. And he said, my brain was telling me, get up and put your arms around her and tell her, don't leave me and I love you. He said, my mind was telling my body what to do, but the body couldn't respond to the command. He said, I'm watching my wife walk away. And all I want to do is just put my arms around her. But my body wasn't receiving the signal that I was trying to tell it. I was on my way to church tonight and I was thinking, God, how many times have you tried to tell the body this week, get up and put your arms around them? Get up and put your hands on them. Get your wallet out and bless somebody. I'm going to tell you all something I learned a long time ago. That you either own money or money owns you. And if $20 is going to break your bank, you're in a mess anyway. The spirit of the living God is trying to tell us, get up and put your arms around her. Don't, don't lose her. Don't let her walk away. Don't let her walk away. But the signal that's coming from the headship... The Lord Jesus Christ is breaking down to the body. And the central nervous system of the body is not responding. And all of a sudden that story began to correlate with what I saw on Monday night, Sunday night, Monday morning. In that dream of that lifeless body laying there. And it was not until the supernatural was recognized that life began to come into that body once again. I beg the body of the living God tonight at FPC. It is time to activate. It's time to be the body. We don't need as much training as we need activation we've been trained we've been preached to we've been talked to it, we it pours out of us every one of us know enough doctrine to save an army if you know Jesus you can tell somebody but we've got to activate it we're on our apostolic schedule because I lost you all about 15 minutes ago that arm of the Lord is reaching, saying, come on back. Get back in here. Be my body. Be my body. Come on, be my body. God, I, I, I think we still ought to be able to go watch this. I think we ought to be able to do that. I can do that and be your body. He said, oh, come on back. Quit, 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 quit telling me how expensive it is. Just get in here. Come on in here and be the body. FPC, listen to what I'm telling you tonight. 
This is not to glorify anybody in this room, including me, nobody in this room. But I'm just going to make you a promise tonight. If everybody else in the world, every church in the nation walks away from the FPCs not walking away. It's not going to happen. If every one of them change their doctrine of baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and I don't believe they will because there's more than 7,000, Elijah, that has never bowed a knee. That's not my point. My point is we got to have a made-up mind that being the body is not predicated on what anybody else does. The body is bigger than this assembly. We've got to be the body. Stand with me. Oh. such a drawing of the spirit in this hour that's calling us to a place and, and I, I get concerned I know it probably sounds like I'm being negative but I'm, I'm being honest sometimes I wonder what kind of time schedule we got God on if you don't do it within this amount of time we're out I wonder how often he's having to pull us back in while we're saying send us harvest he's saying I'm begging the body I'm, I'm, I'm begging the body Walked up to the church the other day, and I came in the front door. I don't have a clue what day it was, and I looked down by the front door, and Don Lusk came to my mind from Pontiac. Don Lusk was a soul winner. Uh, man, he's inspired many people to teach Bible studies and win souls. And uh, there was a claim, I don't, I don't know, I mean, I don't know how, how to know for sure, but it was said that Brother Lusk had won thousands, literally, I'm not embellishing that, thousands of people through the years to that church in Pontiac. But one day, Brother Stephen, it, it got the best of him, and he'd had some trouble with some people not liking new folks and stuff because they didn't fit the paradigm just right, you know. And Brother Don Lusk, very well put together man, he put on a bunch of homeless clothes hat, kind of covered his face, looked nasty, looked dirty, put, I don't know if his makeup or real dirt and well, I don't know, but he get, just looked filthy, disgusting, holes in his clothes, looked like a homeless man. And they said when they got to church on Sunday morning, Don Lusk was laying, that's what made me think of when I walked in the church, he was laying on the ground acting like he was sleeping by the front door of the church. This man won thousands of people to God. And there were people going inside getting staff and getting ushers saying, hey, there's a homeless guy out here. We got to get him out here. People are coming for church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People are coming for inspiration. We better get the mission field out of here. Homeless man laying out there at the front door and they say, hey, you're going to have to get out of here. You're going to have to leave. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Maybe someday we can, we can talk about it. Brother... Pastor Dwayne could tell way, way better than I could. They said, after a while, church got started. Bishop, they said, Don, uh, he, was, he was one of the ministers in the church, so instead of like just getting up and walking in the back of the sanctuary like a normal person, he never changed his clothes. He got up and he went around the back hallway, and he came out and he walked up on the platform and started exposing who he was. While all the people that wanted to be entertained and inspired were sitting there saying we walked past our mission field so that we could go in there and have pastor preach one more time to us 
and people were ticked off. That somebody would lie to them. That's rude. This, this should never play it. Listen to me. The mission field is laying at our door. I am begging the body tonight. Every head bow, every eye closed. I know some of our elders have been standing. If you need to be seated, you're not going to offend me at all. The Holy Ghost is moving and working in here right now. Listen. I preached it to you this morning. I'm trying to pick up on it right here where I'm at right now. The storm is never going to completely go away before you take the step of faith. You're never going to become a professional teacher before it's time to start teaching the word. We got to step out of the boat tonight and I'm begging the body. I'm begging the body. We're not going to go into 2022 business as usual. But God's about to start messing some of your sleep patterns up. You're going to be waking up in the middle of the night saying, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? He's saying, I'm begging the body. I'm begging the body. Get out of your comfort zone. Be the body. Be the body. Be the body. Uh, be the body. Come on, do we really have to give a, a big invitation tonight? I, I, I'm, I'm begging. I don't know what else I can say. I'm begging the body. We've got to be the body. Pastor, I'd rather have a pulpit and get to preach. I'd rather be in the spotlight. I, I, I want to be a solo singer. I want, I want to be in the praise team. I'm begging the body tonight. I'm begging the body. Oh. God, get us out of our comfort zones. Come on, there's somebody here tonight. Bishop said it earlier. We're being the body. You've got infirmities in your body tonight from your former life. Let God heal it. Let's be the body. You can tell somebody of the goodness of God that on October the 31st, 2021, on a Sunday night service, God healed you of everything that you had ever been before. Let him heal you tonight. God activated in us tonight. This isn't guilt trip preaching. If you guilt somebody into service and giving, it's not true giving. It's guilt. I'm begging the body tonight. Be the body. Joseph begged his body not because... He was God manifest in the flesh, but just because it was his body. Tonight, I'm not asking you to be a miracle worker. I'm asking you to be the body and let God do the miracles. Uh, be the body.